This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have all of you here today, and, and it's so fun. Like, I really enjoy talking about this concept of the beloved community. Now, New Church Live, we have, we have a few things. I'm trying to teach people, being Philadelphians, some different hand gestures. And one of them is, is there's what we fight about. Everybody do this. Everybody do this. There's what we fight about, and then there's what we fight for. What we fight about, what we fight for. Can we all say fight for? Fight. Oh, that was good. Let's say that again. Fight for today is about what we're going to fight for. It's about what matters. It's about how do we look outward into this concept of the beloved community, a concept that, that was really engendered by Martin Luther King, that he pulled out of this deep Christian theology, that he pulled out and he said, yeah, this is, this is what we need to be focused on. We may never reach there, but we need to be focused on it. So what I hope to do today is to both give people a chance in word and deed to experience what that's like, to maybe see little pieces of it. You know, New Church Live, we got a lot of balls in the air today. The chances of us dropping a ball today are exactly 100%. So is that okay with everybody? Yes, it's totally good. Welcome tonight at the Improv. So as we're looking for that, what we're fighting for, let's talk about the beloved community. Let's talk about what it is. I've asked four of the students from Rock to the Future to come out and each read us one section of what it actually is in terms of the elements of the beloved community. Come on up to the mic and you read the first one and then pass it along. The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. Great. It is the type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It is this type of understanding goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. I love that phrase, exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of all. Please give the kids a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, you guys can go. Now, as, as the students leave the stage, I love the idea, like, look at Martin Luther King, look at the name of the sermon where he talked about this. Can you see it's real small print there? Facing the challenges of the new age. Like, how is it that we face these challenges of the new age? And this is how he said we needed to think about it. Now, the way we think about it is we think, well, how do we get there? And, and he said, look, you know, beloved community really requires two things. So take a look at this next slide. And the two things he said, our goal is to create a beloved community, and this will require qualitative change in our souls, as well as quantitative change in our lives. So it's both got this action part, what am I doing, and this love part of what's in my heart. Love, wisdom, useful service. Love, wisdom, useful service. This wonderful trinity coming together, pouring out there into the world. So we need to ask, well, how do we pull that together, like the qualitative and the quantitative with this beloved community? And I, I, I want to be clear, folks, like what I'm about to show you here, you know, it's, it's really important. It's no small thing. I, I, I think so much, and this is my own little soapbox, so excuse me for a minute. I think so much, we go through challenging times, we go through the changes that our society is going through, and it's so easy to go like, 
I'm just going to go home, crawl under my bed, and just... How many of us have had that reaction at least once? You know, like, I just want to... It's just too much. It's too much. Too much. Where's the remote control? That, you know, in a certain sense, that feels good. But that's not what the beloved community is about. The beloved community is about stepping back in. We can deconstruct things all we want, but can we reconstruct? Can we bring things back? Can we, can we have really meaningful conversations as, as communities that matter? And this is what Martin Luther King had to say about that. I used to teach American history, and I always loved this. Before you signed on to be part of a nonviolent protest, he had to agree to 10 things. This was kind of his 10 commandments. And it's really a great list just how to live life. Number one, meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Remember always that the nonviolent movement in Birmingham seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. I'm going to come back to that one. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. For God is love. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all men might be free. Sacrifice, an important word. Sacrifice, personal wishes, in order that all men might be free. Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and for the world. Refrain from the violence. And this is one you'll hear people quote all the time. Refrain from the violence. Could we say those three words there? Refrain from the violence of? Fist, tongue, or heart. Strive to be in good spiritual and bodily health. And number 10, follow the directions of the movement and of the captain on a demonstration. Now, out of those rules, what's the one that, that, that kind of like gets me really thinking? They all get me really thinking. But what's the one that really gets me thinking? It's actually the second rule. Let's take a look at that in a little more detail. Remember always that the nonviolent movement in Birmingham seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Justice and reconciliation, not victory. I think we can live that in all kinds of places in our lives. What if we simply gave up the idea, look, it, it isn't about this side and that side and somehow being this side being victorious over that side or this side being victorious over that side, moving away from that duality and, and coming to this third place where Christ talks about all the time, this third place, this third why of reconciliation, where it's about a bringing together. Now, can that actually work out there in the world? What, what can this make possible? Well, we see how Martin Luther King did it. I want to share with you just a little story because I know we got a lot of young adults here, and boy, do I love talking about American history. I want to talk, <laughs> I want to talk about Jackie Robinson just for a minute. Now, Jackie Robinson, is, as some of you know, was a famous baseball player, and, and they used to have separate baseball leagues for whites and blacks. And Jackie Robinson was the first to cross that barrier. And he not only crossed it well, he was a really good baseball player. But they were looking, Branch Rickey, who was the manager of the Dodgers, was looking for someone to help bridge that gap. And he had to find the right person. He had to find someone who really understood what this was all about. And this was actually predates Martin Luther King. Because I, I think so much of what Martin Luther King said is just, it's just good theology. It's just good stuff about what God wants us to be doing with our lives. 
So I want to show you a clip here, and this is this is Branch Rickey, and, and, and he's talking to Jackie Robinson, and Jackie Robinson, in typical young male fashion, is like, you want me to like lay down and not do anything? And I want you to listen carefully to the response that Branch Rickey gives to him. So take a look. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No. No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. So those pieces about the guts not to fight back. Now, as I'm talking about this, you know, I want to like talk about this for a minute. The kids from the Academy of New Church are going to start filing up. And we look at this picture here of this, this Philadelphia baseball manager by the name of Ben Chapman. And Ben Chapman, he's an interesting guy. And Jackie Robinson, interesting guy. Because Ben Chapman actually had gotten into a lot of trouble. He got into trouble with anti-Semitic remarks, got into trouble with a lot of different things. And they were trying to figure out a way to bring these two together. A man who was an avowed racist with Jackie Robinson. So they did it. And and you look at that picture, right? You look at that picture and you think about what must have been going through Jackie Robinson's mind at that moment. Look how the guy's holding the bat. (laughs) Yeah, little body language there. And Ben Chapman, why they did this? Ben Chapman, when he was manager of the Phillies, he would, he would just shout horrendous things out there to Jackie Robinson. Things I could never say on stage, no one should ever say. But, but you can see where there's this dedication to reconciliation. This dedication to a bigger peace. This dedication to a bigger message of justice and reconciliation, not victory. And as we do that, as we live into that, We live more and more into the name of love. So, you know, again, like thinking about that with with in the name of love and and what does that what does that mean? And and how how can we actually live into that world? A world of compassion, not of complacency. You know, I think I think complacency it, it just it's it's always out there, sort of a siren song. And, and it's, it's right in there with that we're always having to choose, for me at least, I'm always having to choose between apathy and anger. Between apathy and anger. And, and I feel like what, what Christ is continually saying is, no, there's a third way. There's always this beautiful third way. And we see people like Martin Luther King who've, who've been able to really capture that in language. And what he's doing is he's capturing what's true. And when you read through the Bible, you can hear those words of, of, that, that, that just kind of grow through it, this, this flow, and it's, it's beautiful. So I want to read for you part of that. This is from the book of Hebrews. And the context of this, this is, this is a letter in the early Christian church, the early, early Christian church. And they're talking about what faith really is all about, what faith really is all about. And how we can move forward in our lives, even in times that can feel divided. This is from Hebrews 11. 
Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, just that part, confidence in what we hope for. So, it's, so faith starts with that I'm going to have confidence. And listen carefully here, folks. I'm going to have confidence in hope. Think about that. I'm going to have confidence in hope. And that hope will give me somehow a confidence. I think those two have to go together beautifully in a life of faith because when we feel hopeless, just there's not a whole lot of great things that come out of that place. And it goes on to say, by faith, Abraham, and this is going back thousands of years, thousands, thousands of years before this was, was written. And this is saying, yeah, it goes way back. You look at this old, old story in the Bible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. So you have this faith first that is, that is, that is sort of this, this I'm going to have confidence and hope. And then this other part, I'm going to have confidence and hope, and I'm not going to know where it's going. Real important. I'm going to have confidence and hope, even when I don't know where it's going. I have no idea what world you kids are going into. No idea. But that doesn't mean we can't have hope. Matter of fact, we're commanded to have hope, even when we don't know. And the word obedience, what the word obedience really means, obedire really means to lean in and listen. Lean in and listen. Listen to that flow, listen to love, listen to God, listen to each other. And that's where we start to get that sense again of hope, even when we don't know where we're going. And then this line, for he was, and this is so beautiful, looking forward to the city. Can we say the two words there? Looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So, so here this, this man is saying, yeah, you know what? And we can look forward to the city that's actually grounded on something real, something that matters. I mean, I think a lot of our lives we spend, we're sort of chasing the wind as the saying goes, Right? And yet, how do we find this world that's deeply grounded on the right kinds of foundations? And in this beautiful line, all these people were still living by faith when they died. And I think of Martin Luther King there. They did not receive the things promised. Again, we don't know where we're going and we probably won't get exactly there. They only, and look at this line, they saw them, the promises, I'm going to have you say the last D word there, saw them, the promises, and welcomed them from a welcome them from a distance. Isn't that beautiful? Like the poetry of that, like, like, yeah, I, I may not get there. I may never have exactly all my relationships the way they're supposed to be, or, or my career the way it's supposed to be, or my this the way it's supposed to be, or my food habits the way they're supposed to be. Like, I may never get all that. But what I can do is, is I can see it, and I can welcome those promises from a distance. And that idea that God gives us that promise like it really is there. I've seen it. So have you. I've experienced it, and so have you. And so has our next speaker, Claire Roth. Please give her a round of applause, folks. Hi, I'm Clara. Um, Recently, one of my high school teachers passed away, leaving our community devastated. However, out of this loss came an immense love and willingness to help in any way possible. 
Everyone wanted to know what they could do to help and offered any service possible. Money was raised for the memorial reception, a meal drop-off was organized, and nearly every high schooler came to school on the day of the funeral wearing their homecoming uniform. In honor of a teacher some of them hadn't even heard of. As I sat in chapel, surrounded by a sea of itchy red sweaters, I knew this is the kind of selflessness Martin Luther King Jr. dreamed of. This spirit of service comes naturally to us when those you know and love are suffering. We feel compelled to help in any way we can. However, it is much harder to find this want to serve when you aren't connected to those affected. But to reach the promised land, we must all access this spirit of giving. I've seen the promises of giving selflessly, regardless of being connected to who you're serving, often in Delta Mu, my school's community service club. Every year, dozens of high school girls and boys give up a weekend to drive to Camp Lador and help them prepare for the summer. The camp is run by the Salvation Army and gives underprivileged inner-city kids an opportunity to go to summer camp. It provides them with a religious and fun summer camp experience that they wouldn't get otherwise. The volunteers never get to see any of the campers or the camp in action, yet we spend hours raking, cleaning, painting, and chopping wood for them. These teenagers feel driven to serve in any way possible with minimal complaints, doing things they would never do for their parents at home. <laughs> because they know that what they're doing will help provide love for children who need it. Another example is every year the club buys and wraps presents for the Hope Prison Ministries. The volunteers spend their own money and buy a present for a child whose parent is in prison. Again, we the volunteers never see the children or find out if they like the gift. Yet every year there are volunteers eager to sign up, along with a large pile of gifts. Seeing these events remain popular year after year shows me that Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream is attainable. In order to access the spirit of service, it's important we empathize with not only those we know, but those we've never even met. We must try and feel for them and what they're going through. It's important we extend our love to all so that all so that when those you don't know or who live in another state or even another country are hurting, we are able to open our arms to them and provide them with what they need. That is how we can reach the promised land. Thank you. So didn't like the talk of the promised land get you thinking, get you going, get you like, yeah, you know, it is out there, right? And there's this sense and we can see it. And, and granted, we may only sense it in fleeting moments, just these little small places. And, and coming back to Hebrews 11, it talks about these people that were looking for a country of our own, looking for what is better, looking for a heavenly one, a heavenly one, beautiful stuff. And it brings to mind as well that we have to keep going back to all these things we've talked about. I mean, Martin Luther King Day, it's, it's easy to kind of like relegate it to the, hopefully you don't have anybody who's a big celebrant of Columbus Day, but sort of like park it into Columbus Day, right? 
like, does Columbus Day move anybody in this room? If you do, please see me after church. You know, we're not going to do a Columbus Day service at New Church Live. Uh, you know, it, it, it can get stale, but I think we have to keep going back to these ideas again and again and again because they're Christian ideals. There are what, there are what Christianity's all about. They are. A new church is so clear. What is church about? It's about a dedication to caring. It's about embodying caring. And the warning in our denomination is not that churches will forget what's true. They'll forget about the heart. They'll forget about the three priorities of church. Caring, caring, and caring. They'll forget. When we do, we get lost. So real important to remember, I think, and I love this beautiful line, believe not, I would take a picture of this, by the way, if I had a phone, believe not in what we see, but what we, what we envision. Coming back again and again to what we envision. And what we envision comes right into our imagination. Like we have to have that imagination, that moral imagination, Because imagination can be used one of two ways. It can be used, first off, to despair. How many of us are good at making up a lot of things to be afraid of? We can do that, and then we can just imagine all the worst-case scenarios and kind of bring them in and bring them in and bring them in and bring them in. Like, oh, it it just can become so overwhelming. And as Martin Luther King said, listen to this beautiful line. When that starts to happen, listen, folks, this is such beautiful, beautiful words. Close your eyes for a second. We become mesmerized by uncertainty. Mesmerized by uncertainty. We get so afraid that we sort of just close down and shut down and we imagine ills and we make them even worse than they are and and we just get mesmerized. We freeze. And we can choose differently. We can take that same God-given gift of imagination. We can combine it with this idea of faith and hope and getting we may never get where we want to go and certainly isn't going to look the way we want to do it. But we can take imagination and apply it to hope. Looking at hope in a bunch of different ways, a, a hope that's able to embrace all possibilities. To embrace all possibilities. Can I, can I give you folks a really super cool quote? Yes. yes. Could you all say yes together? Yes. yes. Will you please, will you remember this forever? Yes. Thank you. Here you go. Hope tries every door. Could I get an amen? amen. Hope tries every door. I see a lot of people going like, yep. Yeah. Hope tries every door. Live that. Be that. Find ways in our lives to to take this this wonderful legacy of Martin Luther King, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, to take that legacy, that legacy that he drew from the life of Christ, Christ who drew it from the Old Testament. Take that legacy and learn to live it. Learn to to get that, yeah, hope is going to try every door. We're going to keep on trying. Under the bed is really comfortable. (laughs) But we're not going to try any new doors under the bed. We have to keep trying and keep hoping and have confidence because God's got it. God's got it. 
Rock to the Future's got it. God's got it. These kids, you young adults, wonderful young adults, you got it. And finding ways more and more to live into that. So the final takeaway here. And this is a paraphrase from one of the books of New Church Theology is to learn to care, and we'll say the last three words together, care, don't turn away. Care, don't turn away. That's where those new worlds start to come into being. That's where that legacy starts to gain life. And that's where we we no longer just have these things as kind of nice ideals, like Martin Luther King, all for him. How do we live it? In 2017. So, to get this started, I'd ask Lawson out here. He's going to say a quick prayer, and then I'm going to offer a close to it. Dear Lord, thank you for keeping the ones around us loved and safe. Thank you for making us make better decisions and helping provide those advisors to help us make these tough decisions. Lord, give us the strength to, give, to help those in need. For it is more blessed to give than receive. Help us remember that our purpose on earth is to not to get lost in the dark, but to be a light for others so they may find their way. That's really good. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Take it off. Lord, I add very little to that beautiful prayer. Your promise. A light. A light in the darkness. And Lord, help us. Help us to not hide our light, but to let it shine. To learn that by standing by you, we are learning to stand by everyone. And help us, Lord, to remember the promise. The promised land, that spirit, that spirit of love, the beloved community. In your name, we pray. Amen. listening you can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv 